Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Kira Krakos. Kira is an associate professor of biology at Maryville University, where she engages students and the community in the wonders and importance of science. Hello, Kira. Hello, Mitch. Thank you for How having are me. You? I am good. I'm good. So, it's lovely to be here. I have to start with that when you you came and you're like, I have a hoarse voice. And we started talking about why you have a hoarse voice. And then I said, stop because we should talk about this, because this is so interesting. <laughs> so why do you have a horse voice today? It's a plant's fault. <laughs> All those damn plants. Yes. Which you kind of, let's start with that, actually. Yeah. You kind of know a little bit about plants. It's sort of my thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give us a little background on why you know about plants, and then we're going to corpse. <laughs> okay. So, and, and by the way, the corpse flower is a side project. I always have so many interesting side projects happen. But I know from your TEDx yeah. Gateway Arch talk that this has been, you have been, this has been a thing with you for a long time. Like you were a little kid and went, plants, with plants. that's my yeah. world. Yeah. So I'm a professor of biology, but my um, PhD is in the ecology and evolution of, of plant sex. So I've been looking at the evolution and ecology of plants for a long time. And the research in my lab focuses on plant pollinator interactions, what happens with climate change. Um, we work so I'm also an associate at the Missouri Botanical Garden, um, which is such a tremendous resource for plants. We're just right. such a wonderful community. And so, like my students and myself, we do a lot of research out at Shaw Nature Reserve. Um, all summer, I have 10 of them out there this summer. It's a great pack of oh, students. They're fun. bright, bright students. And um, so that's the main thing that my lab does. Got you. And then, and then lots of interesting things happen when you're <laughs> messing with plants. Um, so, okay, so pollinators is where I focus. That's what my TED Talk was right. on. Um, and looking at the impacts of changes and things like that. But it also means that there's lots of things about the evolution of plants and how they attract pollinators that I find really interesting. Um, you know, they, they get very elaborate in the way they attract pollinators. Yeah. So this corpse flower... Okay. Corpse a lot of people know about corpse flowers. It is a big corpse flower. It's very yes. big. It is a very big plant. And this one was particularly large. Her name is Octavia. Octavia. Mm -hmm. And this actually was something that happened. So last year, one of my students was looking at uh, scent chemistry in bringing in pollinators. And he was working out at Shaw. And he saw that the corpse flower at the garden, one of them, they have kind of a set of them, was blooming. And they don't do that often, like four to seven years. Really? Yeah, and they, they grow this giant So when it's going to bloom, it's monstrous. like, now's the time to go see it. Right. So we were joking because um, what never happens to us is that, you know, you're on call. That's not a botanist thing. Not, I mean, maybe like, okay, we've got, like, we've got to be, I mean, I've been on call in the sense that, okay, the monsoons are going to hit or not hit, so we do need to go in a few weeks or not because right. the plants will bloom. Right. I've never had like a pager. <laughs> but there we were. Last year with Izzy. Plant emergency. Yeah, Plant so we, emergency. We got permission from the garden. We said we'd like to come collect scent on the corpse flower. And so there we are. We're watching the live feed. And we've got like, you know, our phones. And the, this wonderful horticulturist who runs uh, that section of the plants, Emily, she she let us know. Because uh, you didn't know. Was it going to go tonight? Was it going to the next night? They open at night. Right. Uh, it's a, you know, we know she's forming a bloom. Right. But what night? And you get one night. Wow. Yeah. 
So, so it's like it, literally hours. They oh, bloom yeah. for like hours and like, okay, I'm done. I'll About be 24. back in four to seven yeah. years. And we wanted to hit peak scenting time and things like that. So anyway, so I actually, on Friday, I have, so that was last year and we got sent on uh, Izzy and that data was just pre- presented actually at the National uh, Botanical Society uh, meetings and it was, it was great. So lo and behold, another corpse flower is going to bloom. And this is so crazy because they don't do it this often. And Ellie says, guys, I... Uh, and they just named her Octavia. Okay. Which is lovely. That was Who totally named my her? Vote. Was it the, the... The garden did. Oh, the garden And okay. um, they were sort of taking, you know, uh, votes and things. And this, they were thinking about some names. And I was like, ah. No, Octavia is fantastic. <laughs> I love Octavia. That, that feels corpse flower. Looking at her, it really fits. It, it works. I mean, if, if you don't know what a corpse flower looks like, whoever's listening, <laughs> the five of you, um, go, go Google that. And then look, make sure you have somebody standing next to it. Because, so I had to be up on a ladder to lower our instruments down into the corpse flower. I mean, oh my I wasn't joking when I said, have you seen Little Shop of Horrors? Think Audrey that too. That big. I mean, I seriously would not yeah. have ever, that's not, in my mind, I thought it was just a tiny little. No, no. they're beasts. So Sunday, uh, so we knew somewhere in the next two weeks, Octavia was going to bloom. So I have some brand new students in my lab who've just been trained on scent collection. And Friday I was leaving to go river rafting with my kids. No, no, you know, access or whatever. So I said, you guys would be fine. If she goes, she goes. You're going to be great. Just go. Yeah. I get home Sunday morning and I have a lot of text messages from them that say, she didn't bloom. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) And she bloomed that night. Now, (gasps) I don't know about you guys, but I am wiped out after being on the river. Well, I was wondering. I'm like, aren't you a little tired? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't want a corpse flower to bloom Sunday night. (laughs) I wanted to go to bed at six. Octavia did not get the note. She did not get the memo, but it was great. So we got there at about 11 o'clock at night. It was amazing. I have some pictures. The line to see her was wrapped around the front of the building. Thousands of people showed up. Really? Oh, yeah. So when we're collecting the scent data um, in the pictures, it's it's two in the morning. Because it's after the crowds are gone and they close the doors at one or whatever it is. And then at 1.30, finally the last people go through and then we can set up. And um, have you ever smelled a corpse flower? Well, I have to say no. Okay. So you can <laughs> I guess. I didn't even know there was one until this, What they smell like. Yeah, and they're probably not very yummy. They're not great. No. Yeah. Um, they are, they, so the compounds that are in them um, are associated with moldy cheese and rotting flesh and fecal matter and jasmine. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> jasmine. But you know that jasmine is one of those scents that people can <laughs> smell different ways. Okay. Kind of gotcha. like cilantro. Gotcha. Some gotcha. people yeah. love. Some people love like it. Me, some people put do it not. everywhere. Yep. Yep. Other people go, this tastes like soap. What's wrong with you? That's true. Chemistry's odd. Yeah. So um, so we just got the data and we're running it through the GCMS now. So yeah. And this was, Octavia oh, was huge. But what it means is I got home at like 3.30 in the morning and then, you know, your life starts on Monday. And so I am a titch horse because of a plant. Because <laughs> yeah. of a plant. Yeah. So let me ask you then. Um, what is the so? What is the insect? Is it flies that oh, are attracted yeah. to the yeah. corpse flower because yeah. it's such a yucky smell? And- yeah, I mean that's that's exactly what it is. It's fly pollinated. Yeah, and then she has another neat trick. So she she blooms. She has this crazy nasty scent that you know is whatever. <laughs> One of my poor students. Now she- could people that were there smell it? Were people like going through the line and like woo? Oh, you can Octavia. smell it outside the building. <laughs> yeah, you can smell it outside the building. You oh. get in the building and it's like. <clears throat> Little and then I had my newest student, Alex, bless her heart. I said, she said, well, I, I think this is, I mean, it smells horrible like you're at the dump, but it's not, you know, it's, we can work. And I'm like, come up the step ladder, put your head on down in there. And then she like gagged and pulled her shirt over. <laughs> <laughs> and my other student, Xavier, he said that, um, 
he got home and he was just so wiped out. He just crashed out, right? And then these these cats that uh, the people he was staying with like started coming up and hanging out on him and <laughs> licking him. And he realized he really needed to take off his clothes. And yeah, yeah. So Octavia had done a, a bit of a number, but but her other neat trick is that she heats up. So that big, tall, phallic yes, part of yes, her, yes. the, the spathe, um, heats up like quite a bit, like not a few degrees, um, like up to 100 degrees. Really? And yeah, because think about this for a second from an evolutionary standpoint. I love to think about what would be the pressure for this. Well, when does your garbage smell worse? Hot or cold what? weather. Interesting. Nothing is worse than garbage out on a hot yeah. summer Missouri day, right? It just... It goes, the scent goes farther. And so if you're only going to bloom once every four years, you are all in. Right. Yeah. Do it big. Right. So we measured, we measured the uptick in temperature and we, so we took her temperature, literally. Yeah. And, and then we, we collected her scent and uh, measured her. She's just huge. That is yeah. awesome. And that's a side project. Oh, and it's just, there you go. just one of those things I do on the side. If a plant is doing something interesting, I will show up. You will be on call. You will have yeah. the... Pager. Not that kind of doctor usually, but this time I was. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, we are going to take a quick break and okay. we'll be right back with Kira. All right. back with Kira, who was talking about the corpse plant Which is not flower, my main which research, is, but Which yeah. was so interesting. Yeah. But I, but you do have very interesting stories. And you were saying that, you know, I mean, let's just, te- the, the TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. You brought up a very interesting story in the TEDx talk that didn't have to do with a plant. You were looking at plants, but you had a friend show up with big teeth. The alligator. Remember oh my the gosh, alligator that's right. story? You have the alligator yeah, story yeah. in there. So tell us about your alligator story. Do you want to experience. hear the alligator story again? Well, I mean, I of, yeah. mean let's for, for the people out there because I thought, um, because there's an interesting, just go. Okay, tell it's us. fine. Um, okay, so collecting plants, anytime you work in the field, um, there are, you're going to have stories. Right. I think it's the same way anytime you work with just sort of out in the community, you know, people are interesting and nature is interesting and unpredictable. So we were, I had a a young undergrad with me um, and she and I were out collecting what's called a voucher. So you always have to bring back, and it's a very important part of plant research. You always have to voucher the population you're working on. Okay. Because otherwise you come back with all this data. What if the plant, that you thought it was isn't. Oh, right. Gotcha. So you always want to, so like at Missouri Botanical Garden, that's a lot of what those herbarium sheets are, vouchers and things like that. So you want to always voucher your plant. This is the plant so I was working on. the voucher means is kind of like a, it's a this reference. Is, this is the, gotcha. It okay. is your plant gotcha, reference. Gotcha. Yes, it's, it's like part of your library. All right. Very important. And you can imagine, especially once you're doing genetic work, taking a sample of, you know, a genetic, you know, a little piece of a leaf and you run the genetics of it. Like, yeah, but what plant did this come from? Right. Not what you say. But right. what it really is. Right. Gotcha. So vouchers are important. And I say that because um, we were there and it was our last day in this uh, population. It's along a river, the Cape Fear River, uh-huh. of all things, in North Carolina. That's it was a little tributary. Appropriate name appropriate. For- we'd, we'd hop to fence. We're down by the Cape Fear River. And all week we'd been warned, listen, it is alligator breeding season. You definitely don't want to be down by the rivers. But, you know, plants bloom when plants bloom. And 
We didn't see any alligators. No alligators. Right. And so we were down by the river's edge um, collecting our vouchers. Very important things to have. Yes. Uh, and it's our last day, and you know, that's it. So I, I just pulled the vouchers, had them in my hand, and I, I heard my uh, young assistant sk- a squeal, like like a small rodent. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so high-pitched. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn around, and there is there is an alligator emerging uh-huh. from the river, and and uh, I mean just you know bubbling up. And, oh my god! And you kind of shut down, right? Like this part of your brain shuts down, and now you're in you're full in, like you're you're in the lizard brain now, or really like my very small mammal brain, right? Like the little <laughs> I should say lizard brain, yes, but there is a lizard, and I'm and out. you're in, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Uh, it's not a lizard, but it's a reptile, right? Right, right. and I am not uh, yeah, and the little mammal brain is like flee, go, go. So we did. We took off fast as we could. Um, and I mean, you've never seen us move so fast. Back across the field, over the fence, to the car, because alligators move fast. Yeah, yeah, they move faster than people we were, think. No, we had, you know, lots of people had helpfully showed us videos, and we were not waiting to see how fast this thing, and it's breeding season, they're aggressive. I mean, who knows? Right. We, we, we were so fast. Um, and we held onto our vouchers the whole time. Which is like we the great part of the story. Of not, but the craziest part of that story is that I was like... Six months pregnant. Right, I was huge, and there's a picture of that in my TED talk. And you're like, oh, so she's big. Yeah, I don't, I don't have pregnancies where you're like, like what I call like a TV pregnancy. Like at month seven, you get a cute little basketball. No, oh, I'm no, like I a VW too. bus. I did too. I was yeah. the same way with my daughter, and she was actually little. I and have I was small like, babies too. Oh my gosh, I was humongous. Yeah. but I my body builds like a duplex. You know, <laughs> with like a swimming pool and a extra spare room. <laughs> No, there's no part of me that's not, and everything puffs up. I'm just like a tick. And it's awful. It's so unattractive. And there I am, you know, running around. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is, yeah. but oh, how freaky. That would that would scare the heck out of me. Yeah. It, field work. But good job yeah. for you being so quick on your feet. Well, uh, that was survival. Yes. But then I like to think that I was still having my, my voucher because I'm a scientist. Right. And I did not. This is not gonna let, let go, go of this. this? Yeah. That's awesome. So, what other? Tell us another. Do you, you have to. You have lots of stories. Is there another crazy <laughs> story? I love the stories. This is great. Out in the field. Yeah. Well, field stories. I mean, there's a lot of you know really fun field stories, and then there's also like really you know strange things that happen. Um, more human interest, I guess you could say. Oh, okay. Okay. So. Two years ago, um, this was part of a National Geographic grant, and I was tracking the, um, it's called Enothera nelii and Enothera sefolta, and we're looking for hybrids, and anyway. The point is, we were out in West Texas. Okay. The mountains of West Texas. I've been in the mountains of West Texas a lot, and that's strange, (laughs) (laughs) because there's not a lot out there. But some of my plants, the the Enotheras that I work on, on the evolution of plants, uh, bloom out there. So I've been out there a lot. Really good food in Alpine, Texas, by All the way, right. which is the only town good out to there. know. There's some other small towns. Um, Marfa is out there. They Their claim to fame is that um, they think aliens land there. Very fun for them. Whatever works. <laughs> um, I, I think you're really like— I want to go now. There's nothing there. I mean, there's, you know, well, that's why there's aliens go there. Yeah. So, like, the people good won't plans. bother them. And Alpine is where you sort of stock up if you're going to Big Bend National Park, which is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. But it's like, it's not close. Nothing's okay. close in gotcha. West Texas. But there are mountains. Yeah. So, I had um, a, a team with me, these two young men. And um, we were out. Uh, so, so, what we would do is so, this is a night blooming plant. Okay. And 
but it's very hard for humans to find things in the middle of the night. Right. right? So we were looking Especially for these in the populations. Middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. So it's not like there's lights or anything. Right. So we had this really weird schedule where we'd get up at four in the morning and the plant would bloom until about nine or 10 and then shrivel. And once it's shriveled up, you can't find it. And we had about 1,600 square miles to cover. So, you know, strategically from our, our midpoint, we would just tear along these country roads as far as you can and then hike and search and hike and search and hike and search until about 10 in the morning. And then you pack it up and head back and, you know, sleep off the oh heat of the day. Oh, my gosh. And um, the, that's a lot of work. Yes. And it, sure. Yeah. That's that's field work, right? Where you're that's making like, like that's like what field work looks what field like, work like most of the and time. And then we would eat and sleep in the middle of the day, and then at about um, you know five or six o'clock, we would gear up for the evening when we go track pollinators, probably back at that same population where we'd found the plant, and then sleep a couple hours from like midnight between midnight four, and then do it all again. Oh my hoping. gosh! And we were sent out, and we were hoping to find one or two populations. We found like seven or nine. Total. Um, I, I say there's an ambiguousness there because of again, is the population you found actually genetically what you're looking for? Right, right, yeah, and that kind of thing. So it was a very successful trip, but we were coming back um, through one of these. I, I hesitate to say small town, but there was a roadside sign, and um, this man um, was selling uh, curse oil. He said he was a shaman, which oh. is weird because you're in Texas, not. Like mine yeah, ruins, but that's right. fine, you know, whatever works for people. So he was like curse oil. So I mean, I pull off instantly. Like yeah, I, if well, someone's going to do something like that, I'm going to show let's, up. Let's check out what curse oil is. What, right. And so, um, and I didn't buy it. I would have in a heartbeat, but it was like 50 bucks. <laughs> but I did get a picture of the, of the label and it was actually really useful. It said it was good for, you ready? I'm ready. Curses. Uh, aptly named, therefore. Ebola. <laughs> Oh, and herpes. <laughs> Dang. So I That's looked at this some and interesting right. curse oil. So I thought, wow, you know, this could be useful. And this is for someone having a very bad day. Very bad. Very bad day. <laughs> I mean, you go, you're like, oh, okay, so uh, what, what is the curse? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ebola. I better and get a, some. And you're cursed. You have Ebola, you have herpes, and you're cursed. <laughs> and this would take care of it. It's magnificent. Did you ask what was in it? Oh, oh, that was a frowned upon Oh, that question. was a no-no. One of my undergraduates asked that, of course, immediately. The other one was eye-rolling it out in the car. He just couldn't. He's like, what? I mean, oh, You're yeah. not supposed to ask the shaman mm. what's in their special oils. No. So, that was great. Right. You know what? That yeah. shaman should have stepped up when the Ebola stuff was happening then. I guess. I, <laughs> you know, um, I, I didn't ask for his credentials. I gotcha. But it felt a little not legit. Like more like snake oil. Perhaps than curse oil. A titch. Yeah. <laughs> like he was just, yeah. he had some canola oil. You know, there, there, there <laughs> are, selling, you know, down $50 in, in the, <laughs> for this. It's going to take care of a lot of stuff. And, you know, it's not like you're going to rush back to take it back when it doesn't work. It didn't get rid of my Ebola. No, it didn't. That didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 of course, yeah, because there are actually real shamans. Yes, um, absolutely. Who are down in, in, much deeper regions of South right. America, which actually they are in the the ones that are still around incredible uh, botanists. You know, they're they're living libraries of knowledge of plants. And I, yes, that is actually really important information. And ethnobotanists work with them all the time. And it's um, uh, that's that's a legit shaman thing. Yeah, um, I felt like I hadn't found one of those. Yeah, not yeah. there. No, that's right. No, so, so much fun. so much for that shaman. 
Well, that is interesting, ma'am. Thank you. We're going to take another quick break and we will be right back. Okay, we are back with Kara, and I have questions. Okay. So here you are, plant scientist. Okay, what kind of flowers did you have at your wedding? Oh. I mean, okay, seriously. Okay, actually, that's, that's, uh, that's, a, that's an easy question. Okay. Um, irises. I adore them. Your favorite? Absolute. Yeah, yeah. the most beautiful monocot. Um, yeah, and I don't study them. You know, they're ornamentals. But uh, no, our entire wedding was just uh, black and white, and then irises were the only color. They were everywhere. Really? I carried them. They were on the tables. Yeah, everything. Oh, how fun. I had yeah. to ask you because I was yeah. thinking, as a plant scientist, like, wait, I know. Wait. I should have had, like, some beautiful bouquet of, like, you know, native species or pollinator flowers, et cetera. I know a lot of my friends have actually did okay. that. Okay. Um, but I just purely aesthetically just turned that cartwheels was... for irises. I then, I, that, then you did the perfect thing. Yeah. But you just got to wonder, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, just, <laughs> I love beautiful. it. You sort of answered this in, okay. in, in between time, but you might have a different one. I was going to say, what is what is there any plant that has a name that you just love? Now, the one we talked about, <laughs> which we can say, okay, if, if but you know, because we did that in between time. But I'm thinking if if that's if that's your favorite one, we should just say it. Well, it's not my favorite one, and I will tell you that one. All right, but then so, I actually have kind of a neat story about a plant I helped name. All right, so yeah. let's start with the one you said that was hilarious. Well, so we were talking about corpse flower, and I said, you know, this is a plant that has a Latin name that I don't feel comfortable translating for, like, children and grandmothers. <laughs> so the, the Latin name of a, a corpse flower is Amorphophallus titanum, and that means giant misshapen penis, <laughs> which is exactly so what it is. Well, looks yeah, like it is. yeah. So, yeah, if, yeah the, it's that look up corpse flower, guys. Yeah. one that's bloomed, and there you go. Yeah, and you'll get it. You'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> but tell us your other yeah. one. Oh, okay. So this is actually a, a really a touching story. So, I was I had during my dissertation I had these fifty three enotheras that I was tracking across North America. That's a lot of plants to try and find. It yeah. takes a lot of people, great networks of naturalists and, and nature societies and plant societies and gardens who... Do I know what an enothera looks like? Yes, you do. That's an evening primrose. Okay, thank Does that you. Help? I'm so yes. sorry. I should have told you that. Yeah, we have lovely ones here in Missouri. But there was one that I needed to find, and it was um, out in New Mexico. And it was up in, again, I didn't know this. There's mountains in New Mexico. There's just all kinds of, we, like, did you grow up here in Missouri? No, Missouri? I grew up in, in the Bay Area. I'm oh, in California. Okay. All right. So I'm like a city kid. Yeah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Um, so we traveled out to North, uh, New Mexico. Now, the last time that this plant was collected, um, and at the time its name was, Enothera colorensis neomexicana, and it was a subspecies, but it's not really, and whatever. So the last time it was collected was back in the early 70s by Dr. Peter Raven. Oh, um, yeah, was, gotcha. Yeah, right, 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 okay. right. So he was my advisor. So I said, so Peter, I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to have to go out to New Mexico. I need to find this Enothera. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's in, uh, it's in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, little town up in the top of the mountains there. I'm like, right, in 1972. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but I'm you know a lot of things get Walmart's yeah up right parking lots yeah it's just up so I'm like okay and so I kind of pushed him I said so I, I see that in the notes 
right? It says two miles from the center of town. But I mean, I'm any other info? The, and he goes, yeah, it's there. It's no problem. Has the center of town changed maybe? <laughs> any info. Yeah. So he goes, I'll be fine. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Peter Raven's always right. Oh, <laughs> he was cool. dead right. So I get to Cloudcroft, and it looks like the set for Bonanza. Interesting. And it's darling, but it's literally one wooden street. And so I uh, I go to the center of town and I pull out my little GPS. <laughs> I hit go. And I'm like, well, which direction? Well, it turns out there's only one road. So that was fine. Okay. So I drove enough. two miles down and I climbed out and I looked around. I'm like, this is, it's a lot of money to get to Cloudcroft. <laughs> You've only got your grad student. I have so much in your research budget. You know, like, oh my gosh. I've spent all my budget just I to have get me, on this road. I have yeah. mom. I have my 10-week-old baby. Oh and I have gosh. an undergrad assistant. We've all flown out there. I mean, I'm all in, right? <laughs> Trusting this plant will be there. So I get out two miles from the center of town. I was air quoting there. And I was on the radio. And uh, there was, you know, there's like some fenced areas or whatever. And I, I'm wandering around in ditches. Enid there is growing ditches. So that's fine. I'm not seeing anything. And then across the street, I see one plant. And I'm like, oh, I think that's it. So I go over, I'm looking. I'm like, it could be, could be it. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is one. So I climb the fence and look over the fence. And there's this gorgeous field full of hundreds oh of my plants. Oh my gosh. And I, I was like, hello. You know? So <laughs> I, I do what in. botanists really <laughs> learn to do well, which is you talk to landowners, right? So I, I go up to the, I leave everybody in the car. And I, I you know, put on my best non-threatening, I'm a botanist, <laughs> not with the government or anything kind of face. <laughs> and I go up and knock on this farmhouse door. And there were these this lovely uh, couple, um, retired couple, the Dogens. And they... That was their farm. It was their mountain, actually, their, their hillside there. And I explained what I was doing. I was trying to, I wanted to look at the pollinators. And they turned out to be, I mean, they were just lovely. They said, we would be love to have you guys come and study here. And this was lovely because it's nighttime work. And that can be dangerous on roadsides. And right. I said, please come and, and be on our land. We're so honored and excited. And, um, and then, and even better, they said, you know, we've been trying to be more sustainable, conservation conscious, and we've been battling the invasive species, but not with pesticides by hand, cutting them down like the wow. birth is. And I was like, oh, I love oh you my people. gosh, you guys are just, <laughs> it's like a fantasy for me, right? Like, oh my gosh. not only are you not spraying your land so that, you know, right. insecticides do not care if you're a pollinator or a- Exactly, you know, right. Damaging. And so- um, it was wonderful, and they were lovely people, and it was just it was just fantastic. They said they were open to having you know other um, uh, people come and visit. Now to get hold of them, there's not email. You have to page, and they go into town and call. It's, it's really hard oh, to get hold of wow. them. Oh wow! Okay. So anyway, so we go back, and it turns out after doing some genetic work later on, about a year later, that this is this species of Venethera is actually its own species. It's not a subspecies. So myself and Warren Wagner, we are you know we have to re rename it. And he said so. Any thoughts on the naming? And I said, well, I think it'd be really lovely if we named it after the Dogens. And I told him the story. And he goes, absolutely. That's so, so cool. So there is now Enothera uh, Dogenia. And it's named after them. But the best part was when I called them. It took a bit of doing. Right. And sent them the scientific paper that showed, you know, the name and all the rest of it. And his and 
Mr. Dojins, his wife actually got on the phone and she said, oh, you know, he has just been, he's got the whole family here, like a family <laughs> reunion to tell them all about that there's a plant now named after our family. She said, well, he'll, I'll put him on the phone, but he's been so emotional all morning. He's going to have to take a minute. That is so sweet. It was wonderful, right? I love I it. Loved it. What so a we, cool gift yeah. to give somebody. So we, we got to honor these lovely people who were doing their part to take care of the planet and, and showing such great stewardship over well, their, yeah, their land. And honor them. And I now love they, it. they have a plant named after them. That is a sweet oh, story. Thank it's great. You for that. Oh, I'm yeah. glad I asked that one. Okay. Way better than the corpse flower. I, well, hey, we got <laughs> well, no. we to hit all, you know. High low. Yeah, we got to hit it all. Um, is there a plant that does not need a pollinator? Is there? Lots of them. Really? Yeah, lots okay. of them. See, I um, wouldn't have known this. Yeah, lots of plants. Um, if they're what's called self-compatible, so it means that they they can use their, if they're a hermaphrodite, okay. if they can use their own pollen on their own stigma and create fruit, then, uh, you know, it's, in all, it's all in house. And then there's so also- no, no insects are needed. Nope. The, no just, wind is needed. All in house. Just, wow. You know, there are a lot of folios like that. There's a lot of plants that are self-compatible. Okay. And you can see why. Um, it's reproductive assurance. Gotcha. And then a lot of plants also will be- um, they get better seeds set with pollinators, you know, without cross pollen. But in a pinch, they will self pollinate and they can do it. Gotcha. Um, so I have so a weird inbreeding question. bad though, are by weeds and large. that way because weeds are so hardy. Is it's a that great question actually? Okay, yeah, great thank question. You. <laughs> um, there's two. So well, I was going to say though the other thing though is like wind pollinated plants, water pollinated plants. A wind pollinated plant where the wind is moving their pollen around a right. lot of um, gymnosperms, so like your Christmas tree family, and are wind pollinated. And the cones they tend okay. to be wind pollinated. Um, you don't need a pollinator then. A lot of things are wind pollinated. Gotcha. Um, but yes, weeds. so <laughs> weeds. So there's two groups actually, um, and you could call them weeds or you could call them pioneer species. See, I I'm, can I. I'm just gonna tell you yeah. real quickly. Um, I am not very, I don't understand plants at all. So I'm like the opposite of you. Um, but one time my husband was like, you know, we really have to take care of our yard and there's this part and it's yucky and we got to clean it out. And he's like, you got to clean the weeds. And so off he went. And I'm like looking at this patch thinking, which ones are weeds? I have no idea, right? So he kind of, he's like, why aren't you why aren't you doing something with this? I'm like, well, which ones are weeds? He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. He's like, well, that's a weed and that's a weed. And he's pointing these out to me. And I was like, well, I don't think we should take them out. Those are good looking plants. They want to be there. They're hardy. I mean, more power to them. Keep them there. <laughs> so if it's an invasive species, I think it's a weed and should go. Um, but yes, uh, we, often, we can call them weedy plants. Okay. Um, but pioneer species. So weeds, there's certain traits that make a plant a good pioneer. Okay. Right? So um, things that uh, grow fast. Right, because they're going to have to compete in a new environment very gotcha. quickly. Right. So uh, something that pops up and grows really fast, so it can get sun and and you know is good at that. Uh, low needs, right? Low maintenance plants. So not something that has like a very specific pollinator or gosh, I need a lot of water. Right. Or you know any kind of high maintenance, not a pioneer species. Right. Um, things that are self compatible. Gotcha. Great pioneer species, right? And one of the, the interesting places you see these is on islands. There's higher rates of self-incompatible species on islands than on mainlands because who made it? Right. Right? True. You got blown off or you were carried by a bird or whatever. Lots of species got dispersed to the island, but who could hack it? 
Gotcha. Right? Until over thousands and millions of years, those relationships with pollinators form and evolution takes place. But it means the ancestors of island species who colonized were probably self-compatible. Interesting. Yeah. And so there's higher rates of self-compatibility in islands. Even where you'll find like, there was some research I did on... Um, some hibiscus species. And even though I see like hibiscus, they have this big, tall column. Right. They've really separated their male and female parts because inbreeding's bad and you don't want to do it. Right? <laughs> it's not good. Everybody knows that, right? Like that's a thing. Um, you get, you know, you're healthier without it. But a lot of them, even though most of their seeds, you know, they, they, they pair up with pollinators, honey creepers and all kinds of things. They have these elaborate pollination systems. I mean, hibiscus are pretty elaborate. Right. They form these co-evolutionary relationships over huge amounts of time. But a lot of them, if you take that pollen from the top and move it down, or sorry, from the bottom and move it up to the top to the female part, they will still be self-compatible. It's just okay. sort of a leftover trait hanging out. Interesting. Probably from their ancestor that was self-compatible. Oh my yeah. gosh. See, I have a yeah. whole new appreciation for plants because you were here. To well, they want to survive, right? They want to survive and reproduce. And if you can't move, then you've got to be wily. Wiley, I love that yeah. word. <laughs> so what's next for you? What are you working on now? So um, currently, um, I'm helping develop the, the new sustainability program at Maryville. I have a really fantastic, um, innovative, cross-discipline approach to teaching sustainability. Um, it's a, a major and a minor. Very and cool. And to be honest, my goal is that every major eventually has a sustainability minor. And one of the reasons is because sustainability is not like a science problem. Right. right? It's right. a human problem. Exactly. We need everybody. We need the business people. We need um, industry. We need artists. We need, we need everybody. I love that. Involved in stewardship of the planet. Right. And I think if every major has a sustainability minor, we'll get there faster. I like century. it. That's an awesome yeah. goal. And then also because Maryville is this um, is a digital world campus mm -hmm. um, where a lot of our classes now take place outside the classroom. We're mobile because of this, all the students have these iPads and, 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 and so forth. So we can do real time um, kind of events. So for instance, I taught one of the first of the new sustainability classes this last spring. 13 of the 15 weeks were not in the classroom. Really? They were in the greater St. Louis region. Oh, anywhere how in a two-hour cool. radius. Yeah. And we were, I mean, we were at industries. We were at uh, super fun sites. We were at Cahokia Mounds. And the students, we were running all of the classroom. You know, any digital portion was right there on site with their iPads. But we were not in the classroom. So yeah. interesting. And it turns out students really learn well. I bet. Because, in a well, yeah. It keeps interactive you environment. And the, you know, yeah. being in a classroom, it's, well, and with what you do, it wouldn't make sense to just hang well, out. Well, and, and sitting and talking about things is fine, and you can do it right. with slides, but so much more impactful to stand like on the top of the Cahokia Mount. Right. And talk about, you know, this lost civilization and how their resources were managed and what we know and what we don't know about the mound builders and talk about the connection to sustainability. And then, um, and then the, the because it's cross discipline. Then you know I read them poetry, and <laughs> at the oh, end of the I class, and uh, up at the top, um, that's so uh, cool. Yeah, Kublai Khan, and talk about the you know the fall of the empire. And um, so I'm I'm a very cross disciplined person, right? I love yeah. plants, I love science, and I love connecting it to art and industry and and everywhere else and history and things. And so. Um, it was a very popular course, um, and uh, and that was sort of the, one of the first of the signature ex uh, exploration courses that will run in the new in the new major. Yeah. Well, Kara, so. thank you for being here. Thank you. That, you're awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's such awesome. Yeah. I love the stories. I love everything. It's great. Thank you so much. Totally. I know it always yeah, does, right? I know. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank having, you for having me. Yeah. Well, Letting me talk about plants. I know. I've been wanting, I've been wanting you to come in here forever, as we were saying in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, when are you off school so you can come in and do a podcast with me? I am me. off on summers and, and of course, in December, you know, and that kind of thing. Right. But, um, uh, but like this December, I'll be in the Galapagos running oh, the, cool. one of the sustainability courses. We're taking oh, 25 cool. students uh, on a, a course there. We're doing um, some combo classes with evolutionary psychology and evolutionary biology and sustainability. And How interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Yay. Yeah, they'll do three courses while they're there. And um, so yeah, it's busy. Very cool. Well, thank you, Thank Kira. you. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later. <laughs>